Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I am your host Ben Kreider and today I'm going to be giving you guys a little primer on free agency and this is kind of one of those things where Oklahoma City, they never really tend to be too active in terms of the free agent market itself, but there's always transactions. Like we just had the Derek Favors deal a couple days ago, right? I don't know if you want to count that as free agency or not, but there always seems to be a move or two where the Thunder kind of position themselves with a deal or one of those like minimum contracts. So they are actually going to be a lot more active this year, at least the way I see it. Because they have over $30 million to play with. And that's like third or fourth highest on the market right now. And even though they're not the most appealing team, they have the money. They can sign people and then they can try to trade them out for assets. Or they can simply just take deals on. But there's three transactions that have happened within the Thunder prior to the actual free agency commencing. It starts at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. And it kind of gives us a better sense of maybe where they are heading with some of these roster moves. And it starts out with Sfima Hailuk. And we had in our last one talking about Tony Bradley and how he did not get a qualifying offer. It was like $5 million to keep him. It really didn't make that much sense. So we didn't hold on to Bradley. Still no center. That's where Derek Favors came in. But Sfi, he was kind of on a different plane because Tony Bradley... Four years ago, he was a first-round pick. Three seasons ago, Sfi was a second-round pick, and that means a lot, not just in salary, but also when it comes to qualifying offers. So the Thunder extended Sfi. He's going to be a restricted free agent this year, and all it took them was a little bit over $2 million. So I think that's a really good investment for them. When you look at what Sfi did for the Thunder in his about 20 or so games, actually it was 30 He played a lot with us. He averaged 10.3 points, 3 rebounds, and 1.8 assists, playing just 23 minutes a game. And the 3-point shot wasn't wild. He wasn't shooting upper 30s or anything with us. But it was pretty obvious. When you set him in the wing or the corner, he's going to be able to go out there and shoot. And he can even step in for pull-ups if he chooses so. He even dunked on a couple people this year, which was something I never thought he was even capable of doing. I never saw it with the Lakers. Definitely never saw it in a Pistons jersey. Guess that's just kind of the effect because kind of happened with Blake Griffin. He was dunking a lot with the Nets and Sfi, he got out of his shell. Anyways, though, he kind of fits the need of what the Thunder have wanted for a long time in terms of this shooter on one side of the ball who's also kind of competent playing on defense. Just that wing, the, the archetype that Presti likes, like I talked about, and I've talked about it a lot on here. He's already 24 years old, so he's a lot older than some of these other guys. And the only real problem that I could see is when you look at SGA, you look at Teo, Ty Jerome, now we have Trey Mann, Josh Giddy. we don't know where he's playing at, but it's already five guards. Kendrick Williams is a two or a three. He can even move up to the four, thank goodness. But there's a lot of guys like that. And Sfi, he's a two or a three. There's no give at the one or the four spot for him. So he's locked in. And it becomes even more of a problem when there's Poku. And there's also Darius Baisley who might need to drop from the power forward spot to the three in order to make do in the rotation. So Sfi's kind of an outcast right now. And I'd say if Sfi was locked in and maybe Kenrich Williams was a free agent, 
it might be the same exact deal. Like, there's just not a lot of minutes to go around, and everybody on the bench either has a lot of potential or they're already very solid. So, I don't know what's going to happen with him. There's clearly going to be a market outside of OKC, and I'm just curious to see whether they would match and what a price would look like on a guy like him. Because $2 million, even if you don't keep Sfee, that was a worthwhile investment because that's money that probably would not matter anyways. They're not going to be spending all of this $30 million, I would assume. So I think taking that little risk to just test the waters and get the final choice on Sfee was pretty smart on Sam Presti's part. They also decided to pick up another guy with a qualifying offer, and it was with Josh Hall. That's a guy that I think a lot of people are happy they decided to bring back on because he really never got a chance with this team. He was supposed to be the G League star. When you look at what they had in Orlando, they were stacked top to bottom, but a lot of the people who grew out of nowhere were not inked to these two-way deals or full-on roster spots. You had Ty, you had Poku, Moses Brown was there, and Josh Hall was your your other guy. Guys like Jalen Horde, Rob Edwards, Omer Yurtseven, they didn't come in with these two-way deals. They were on Exhibit 10s, and even guys like Chesson Randall, for example, he was on a two-way. Omer Yurtseven's on a fully, he's not guaranteed, I don't think. He's on a non-guaranteed contract with the Heat, so they made a lot out of not a lot when it comes down to the two ways and, and whatnot, but Josh Hall was supposed to be the star alongside Poku when it came to the three and four spot, but he was just hurt. He had a knee injury. He had health and safety protocols battling him throughout February and March. It just never worked out. So he played all of like 10 minutes with the blue, had like two points. It was not even worth noting. Like I don't even count him as playing on the blue because it was really just that insignificant, but he played there overall. He played 21 games with the Thunder, and he just was not impressive in most of those. And when you look at the stats, that's where you kind of say it wasn't impressive. Averaged 4.1 points, 2.8 rebounds, and 1.3 assists, playing 18 minutes a game. You got to take it with a bit of a grain of salt, though, because Josh Hall was the Deontay Burton of this year. Deontay Burton, you could tell this guy could fly. He could do 360 dunks. In warm-ups, this guy looked like a god. Josh Hall's kind of like that, but when you only plug someone in for the last 10-15 minutes of a game, they're just going to go rampant trying to get points for themselves. They're not in enough to just be comfortable playing like themselves. So they go out and they want to play to get their numbers, and that can be a dangerous game. I don't think Josh Hall was necessarily doing that, but he never got in a comfortable situation with this team. And the one game he did, the final game of the regular season, got to start against the Clippers. He went off career night, 25 points and 10 rebounds. And he shot one of six from three in that game. But inside, he was so smooth. Mid-air adjustments, dunks. He did it all, and he earned his stripes. So I think that game alone just earned him a contract anyways. And the qualifying offer on him is going to be $1.5 million, give or take like 100 k which is pennies in the NBA. Clearly not outside of that, though. So that's about what they paid. That's another good deal by them. I don't know if Josh Hall is going to be a two-way guy again. Truthfully, I feel like someone is going to look at him, look at that 25-point game, and think they could take him on a one-year minimum and just snag him away. Something to the tune of that. If that happens, good. The Thunder get their shot, and I think it was a good investment by them. 
if no one goes out with a one-year offer, he's the best two-way guy you're going to find right now. He's 20 years old, about to turn 21, but he's a six foot nine point forward who can slash, and he has a decent pull-up, kind of has a bad shot selection. If he fixes that, he's definitely past this undrafted grade to begin with. You could actually make a pretty good player out of him, so I'm happy they were able to keep Josh Hall on, and they might have actually lost someone through the process of this, but this is just a straight-up rumor, and it comes from Gabrielle Deck. He played 10 games for the Thunder, made like $4 million in the process. This guy might be gone already, and currently he's in Tokyo. He's with Team Argentina in the Olympics, but there's chatter that he might be moving back to the Liga ACB. He was playing with Real Madrid before he came over for the Thunder. Now FC Barcelona is looking to tip their hat and do some negotiating with Gabriel Deck. And according to Albert Rogue, looks like there is negotiation talks. And this is a rumor. This is not confirmed that Deck is out the door, but it might make some sense. So Deck, he got four mil for not a lot. I mean, he just came in, played a bit, four million dollars. He could have stayed year by year. There was three more years on this contract would accumulate to $14.5 million, but he was non-guaranteed. So if one side of the party didn't like it, it'd just be mutual, move on. Deck might have said he wants to go back and play in Europe, and I would think that might be a smart decision for him, just in my opinion. He's a very good player, and he's a great passer for his position, three or four and also on defense, he plays pretty damn big, and laterally, he's not too fast. But when you try posting him up, he's not going to really give any sort of space. So interiorly, he's pretty sound on defense. As a passer, he's very damn crafty. As a finisher, he's alright. Has a decent post game. Good mid-range game, too. But the problem is, he plays really slow on offense, and he kind of changes the pace of your team simply just being on the floor. He's a guy who wants to stick in the mid-range. He wants to take those entry passes. He wants to play extremely slow down low in the post. And with what the Thunder have, it really just never fit. Like when he was playing, of course he looked good, but when it comes down to when we're fully healthy, you have a Teo or somebody just being the maestro on the second unit because that's where he would be playing you're looking to get pick and rolls you're looking for really just everyone to be spread out on the floor constant movement Gabriel deck he's a lot more sedentary than most and when he gets into jumpers let's say he's wide open on a kick out he has like this set shot that wasn't too successful with the thunder in his 10 games and it really opens the door for late contest to actually have an impact on him when he pulls it up it's a lot different. I like his pull-up pretty smooth, but the straight-up jumper face-up game is not that amazing. I think he was dominant in the Liga ACB. He probably would still be that. If he moves, it makes complete sense to me. And on top of it, if he moves to FC Barcelona, he'd be starting. He'd be one of the primary guys, kind of like Nikola Miracic to a smaller degree. Miracic, if he stayed in the NBA, he would have kept playing good minutes, I don't know what Gabriel Deck's role would be with the Thunder anyways, because just like Speed, there's so many guys clogging up the positions one through three. Deck might be able to play at the four, but you still have Poku, you have Baisley, 
And now you have Jeremiah Robinson Earl and even Roby. So he's already 26. It was a good experiment. If he walks away, though, I think it makes sense. So you lose out on one. You get two qualifying offers in with Sfee and with Josh Hall. And it kind of helps set the table for what we could see in terms of free agency. And I thought Deck would have been a, a guy who stuck around. I thought Josh Hall might have been gone. So those two kind of flip. But regardless, it seems like you're going to see, I think right now, 10 or 11 guys currently on the roster. But you need to keep in mind, Vit Kredshi is clearly with the team. He's going to get signed to some deal over these next couple of days, whether it's a full-on NBA extension or a two-way. I don't really know yet. I think it has to be a fully guaranteed roster spot, though, just because of the buyout. It's a sticky situation, but he's going to have to be within the Thunder organization. So he takes up a spot somewhere. And even Jalen Horde could be dicey. So there's some spots left for the Thunder. A little bit of breathing room for trades, but not an overwhelming amount. So if they need to take on bad contracts, just like they did with Derek Favors with like a DeAndre Jordan or something, they could easily do that and take on some draft capital. Brooklyn doesn't have a ton, but that's just kind of the example I'm setting. They could take on ugly contracts and it'd be okay. Kemba Walker, pretty ugly contract. You might be able to move him somewhere, whether it's to Dallas or to New Orleans. If they don't get Kyle Lowry, a deal could be made with him. So there's going to be a lot of deals, I believe, coming out of OKC, maybe more than actual free agency signings. But that does not mean there's not at least a couple of rumors that you can talk about with them. And it starts with Lori Markkinen out of Chicago. With him, this got reported from Michael Scoto of Hoopsype. Seems like the Bulls and Markkinen might be over with. Now, they gave a qualifying offer to him. Obviously, they should have. And with that, they're going to be able to have the final say on things. But they can also orchestrate a sign-and-trade deal and at least recuperate some value from Markkinen because he still is a commodity in the NBA, but his value has depleted pretty damn fast. When he was a rookie with the Bulls, he looked like the guy. When you looked at this Jimmy Butler trade, it was laughable. It looked like the Timberwolves got completely fleeced. They still kind of did, but it looked so bad because this wasn't a deal where Zach Levine changed hands. They got the rights to select Laurie Markkinen, and he was a monster in his rookie season. He was hitting threes. He was posterizing people, slashing in. He was a juggernaut on offense. And it seemed like they had a dynamic duo immediately with Levine and Markkinen. And then Fred Hoiberg was out. Jim Boylan was in. That was the worst thing that could have happened in Markkinen's career. He got pushed from this dynamic offensive player to a straight-up corner sitter. And he was already dealing with some shoulder problems. The shot was kind of on and off. He's been an inconsistent shooter really throughout his career. But it was really emphasized in his sophomore and third year campaign and he lost the graces of being that dynamic score everywhere still had trade value and there were still talks of him being moved but slowly he went from the guy in Chicago to just a guy and right now they might be good they're looking to give him on that sign and trade and there's three different names that were listed in this article the San Antonio Spurs the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Thunder He's a 24-year-old forward right now. He's 7 feet, so he can actually move up to the 5. I will say, though, this is a kind of center that Moses Brown could 
kind of bully ball. He actually did it against the Bulls when they matched up because Moses Brown, he's this gangly like 7'2 forward. Laurie Markkinen's 7 feet tall, but he's not really that strong. He's not built like your typical center in the league. He's a power forward. He's like a Porzingis almost, except minus three inches. That's what I look at him as. So kind of that oversized guy, but he's not a center. And that might be a bit of a problem. I think if you get Markkinen, he plays center regardless, and you just deal with the repercussions of that. But I think that's where you kind of spot him at. And I really love Markkinen. Whenever we had Russell Westbrook and Paul George, this was the guy I wanted the Thunder to get every single time the trade deadline came around because there was still that that value with him, of course, but since Boylan wasn't using him properly, it was almost like it's it seemed like he was gone. That's where I'm trying to go with it. And I thought the Thunder could kind of swindle their way into a deal. Never happened. They're going to get this chance now in a couple of days in trying to make a deal but it's a bit of a different circumstance, and it's kind of weird. I do think, though, that he does have a lot more potential, even though he is 24 years old right now. He's not at this crazy age where he doesn't fit this timeline. He still does, and I think he can make an impact, particularly next to SGA. He's a pick-and-pop five if you choose to put him there, but he is still surprisingly athletic, so he can roll. I like him. I think John Collins fits the Thunder a lot more. But in terms of realism, I think Glory Markkinen's a lot more likely, and he still does the job for you. Average 13.6 last year, 5.3 rebounds. Big thing though, shot above 40% from three, taking almost six tries a game. So he would bolster a category the Thunder desperately need in three-point shooting. So that's kind of the first guy the Thunder have seen a bit of interest in. There's also one, though, going for Spencer Dinwiddie out of Brooklyn, and this is a very confusing one where you're just scratching your head. This is just like what we've seen with the Kemba deal and the Horford deal. You pick up a guy like Dinwiddie who has current value. It's not like a, a rehab job or anything, but you just take them and then flip them for assets immediately. Because of the money they have, they can sign Dinwiddie to a deal that simply nobody else can put up. Would they give up the money if they had the salary to? Hell yeah, they would, but they don't. OKC can be the highest bidder on Spencer Dinwiddie, and that's why there is some linkings between the two parties. And this comes from Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report, and he thinks that there might be some momentum between the two. A deal that I've seen floated around is about a two-year contract where he's making 40 mil. So a 20 mil over the next two seasons that's a pretty big chunk of change for Dinwiddie I don't know if I'd pay that to be honest with you but maybe it seems like that could be it and I've seen a lot of deals between Dinwiddie and other teams like sign and trade three team deals just a lot of funky stuff here I don't know if Dinwiddie is as likely as a marketing would be because of all the hoops you need to jump through and because 20 mil for two seasons, that's a lot, and you need to make sure when you sign him to the dotted line, someone's going to take him in however months in advance, because you can't just immediately sign the guy and trade him. There's like a little two or three month waiting period. I forgot how long it is, but he'd be with the team for a bit. You got to make sure there's someone there, because if he flops and he still has some injury concerns in a couple months, 
you're just left stranded there with another kind of cruddy asset and Dinwiddie's going to be movable anyways but it just is a, a high risk play for them I think there might be some better options currently out there but Spencer Dinwiddie I mean they have the money to pick him up that's someone you might want to just keep in the back of your head moving forward there's another guy too who came out of this 2017 draft class I talked about marketing I don't think did what he is but Zach Collins sure as hell is they took him I think 10th overall this was the deal where the Kings had the pick they moved back and got Giles and I think Justin Jackson uh but yeah the Trailblazers got Collins out of Gonzaga He's just been dealing with injuries for like the last two or three seasons, and he just has never gotten over it. Got to the point where the Trailblazers, they don't want to have to keep putting up the money for him because he cannot play, and they need guys who can play next to Dame and CJ right now. So it makes sense why they decided to cut ties with him. Now he's just up in the air for anybody, and he's 23 years old. He fits a timeline just like a marketing would, more of a power forward than a center. I guess you could try to play him there. This is a person who, if he's healthy, can be productive. He can get rebounds, shoot a little bit in the mid-range. People have said the three. I think it's more flaky. He's a good piece that you could try to give that risk on, though. And that's what the Thunder are kind of going to be in play for. Just those kind of oddball players who might have lost grace, like I said, with marketing. Lost graces with not just the team, but the league and try to turn them into something. So, Zach Collins could be pretty good. I've personally never been the biggest fan of Zach Collins, and if I had to choose whether or not we picked him up, or a guy like maybe Thon Maker, I'd go with Thon Maker just because he's not hurt, and even if he is a flop, you're not going to be needing to be paying a lot. My goodness when I was saying that, but you don't need to pay Thon Maker as much as a guy like Zach Collins. He's going to have a lot more suitors. Thon Maker couldn't even make a deal in the regular season. So I think he's more of a big risk again. The injury concerns really do uh, concern me, but maybe they'd want to take a flyer. They definitely need more front court help, and I think Zach Collins would be a good project. I just think he has a lot of medical red flags that um that's kind of all on him but when you look outside of that the big deal is Kemba I mentioned it before where you might need to trade him you're gonna want to trade him and the Pelicans are the guy that have been listed said it a second ago but the source was Evan Massey on this one and it's if Kyle Lowry just isn't going to sign over there and there's a couple of teams that could need Kemba the Miami Heat have been linked to Kyle Lowry that seems like the front runner at this point but maybe they do not end up with him if that's the case Kemba can slide in and he's making a lot of money over these next couple of seasons but for a guy who has all-star averages year to year I mean he's been an all-star multiple times you might want to take a chance on him And one of the things that Thunder have done, which most teams do not do, they've actually opened up to other teams about the medical records on Kemba. So either they feel really optimistic about it, or they're just trying to be as transparent as possible because they want to make a deal done as soon as possible. So Kemba could get dealt. I don't know if he could be on sign and trades, but 
in deals, Kemba would be in discussions, and a lot of the guys on the Thunder roster probably will too, just because there is a lot of people on this roster, and you don't really have any centers outside of Derek Favors. You're going to need a lot more people than that. Thon Maker was the person I've mentioned on this pod. About a week ago, I also talked about him being at the airport. This is one of those like James Book Night stories where he's eating at a fancy restaurant. We're taking him. Then he gets taken 11th by the Hornets. So it might not have substance. It's just sitting down, meeting the minds. I think if he's in OKC's airport, though, he had to have at least stopped by, right? Um, but I think they talked and I'd kind of label him as a maybe. Vit Kregi, that is a home run. You're going to see him in some sort of transaction log in the near future. Kind of curious to see what happens with Jalen Horde, though. I don't know if he gets a two-way, whatever the deal is, because you already gave one out to Aaron Wiggins, so it's a little bit confusing on that front. And then also Josh Hall. Is someone else going to make a deal that the Thunder just can't match? I think they could match it, but... Can they spew out a roster spot to get him? I'm not so sure about it. So they will have a lot of questions, a lot of moves, and a lot of activity as we head forward. This is a bit of the one of the more shorter episodes that I've done on the pod lately. That's because we have a lot of news we're going to be covering on these guys in the next couple of days. So just keep your eyes out for that one. I'm going to get those to you as soon as possible. But yeah, that is the plans here. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.